0: So how long is it going to take you guys to find your seats? You kind of shift around here. you like Goldilocks. This is too close. This is too far back. This is just right. So what did it take you about six weeks? When we first moved in this facility in 2002, it was amazing to watch you shift around to try to get your bearings in this new auditorium. So it'll probably be a couple of weeks before I can, um, I can uh, take uh, roll. Um <laughs> by by where you're sitting, so. The hard choices in life aren't between good and bad. When the choice is that easily marked, that this choice is good and this choice is bad, we actually do pretty good with those. The hard choices in life are between good and best. Sometimes we make some of our worst decisions when we choose good, when best was an option. And sometimes our hardest decisions are between bad and worse. Let's face it, there are some times you can only make a bad decision and thank God it's not any worse than it is. Most of us, most of us these days would describe ourselves as living in between a rock and a hard place, in between those hard decisions of bad and worse, good and best. Well, there's really not a clear-cut way of right or wrong. Now, you're a 20-year-old king. You have enemies surrounding every side of your kingdom. Who do you fight? Who do you fight first? Do you make a deal with Assyria? Or do you surrender to Aram? Sometimes. There just aren't any good answers. And that's where Ahaz was in the seventh chapter of Isaiah. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Verse 10, we're going to pick up in the middle of the conversation. And then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol, or it can be as high as heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask, I will not test the Lord. Isaiah said, Listen, O house of David, is it not enough that you try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. And by the time he learns to reject what is bad and what is good and choose what is good, he will be eating courage and honey. For the boy knows to reject what is bad and choose what is to good. And the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. The Lord will bring you and your people and your father's house to such a time as there's never been since Ephraim separated from Judah. He'll bring you the king of Syria. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we need the answer to be very, very clear, very blunt. So in this time of Christmas, with the coming of your child, we pray, oh God, your church will hear you plainly, strongly, undeniably. And we pray this in your name, amen. One of the ways that we read scriptures, we read like chapters and verses, and sometimes we'll just read that chapter and that verse, and we'll disconnect it from the verse or the chapters in front of it. Or the verse and chapters and back of it. So today we're reading Isaiah chapter 7, the promise of Emmanuel. And we forget what happens in Isaiah chapter 6. Do you remember what happens in Isaiah chapter 6? The calling of Isaiah. Isaiah goes into the sanctuary. There he is overwhelmed with the presence of God. We have the famous conversation where God says, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Okay, you've heard Isaiah 6 before. Every mission sermon you have ever heard is based off of the worship experience of Isaiah, where Isaiah says, here I am, send me. That's where we stop reading. We should go on. Because listen to what God promises to Isaiah, now you would think, Isaiah, I, I'm coming to be a, uh, to, to follow your will. I have surrendered to your will. You want me to go somewhere. You need somebody to go. I will go, no questions asked. You would think the next promise would be, you're going to have a great ministry. I'm going to make your name stronger than any other. You would think it'd be some kind of praise. It's not. Listen to what God tells Isaiah. Go. Go say to these people, keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make the minds of the people dull, deafen their ears, blind their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their mind, turn back and be healed. And Isaiah hears that from God and he cries out, how long? How long will I go and preach and prophesy to a people who will not listen, who will not understand, and who will not respond? How long do I have to keep beating my head against this brick wall? Now, that's chapter 6. Chapter 7, Isaiah is in front of Ahaz. Eyes that will not see. Ears that we will not hear. Now, anytime we see this story, we always write it up as if King Ahaz is, is a totally evil. He's a bad dude, and, and we kind of write him off. Sometimes if you just call somebody evil, then you're able to dismiss them from the conversation. But remember, Ahaz is a 20-something-year-old kid. He's now king. He doesn't know which way is up. 1 Kings 16, 2 Kings 16, we're told about his rule, his reign. And here's what we're told about him. He worshiped everywhere there was a high spot. In fact, the writer of Kings says he gave an altar under every green tree. He offered his sons up as sacrifices to be burned alive as an offering. That's Ahaz. You see, Ahaz is one of these guys who is empty as a gourd. There's no moral center. He's not made any decision. He is scared to death that someone is going to take his kingdom, that someone is going to take his throne. He's had threats. He's dealing with threats now. To compensate for his fear... He is worshiping every god that has a claim. So if he's riding down the road and he sees a little worship area, he gets out, offers an offering. Why? Can't hurt. This god may be the god who's in charge. You don't ever know. He was making a deal, and it's hilarious the way the the writer of King says it, he offered a deal to whatever god had an offering an altar set up over every green tree. Just everywhere he stopped, he made a deal. He was not committed to God. He wasn't committed to any God. He was trying to barter some kind of relationship, some kind of obligation from some kind of God that would be strong enough to help him in the mess he was in. Does Ahaz feel familiar to you? Sometimes life gets you in such a mess, you don't know which God to trust, do you? Oh, you come to church and people tell you to trust God, but you show up at work and they tell you to believe in another God. You sit at home and watch television and listen to our social culture and they will tell you to trust yet another God. You don't know which God to trust. So you make all of these little sacrifices under every green tree. If you're somewhere and somebody says something about this God, okay, you're in. Can't hurt. Come on. Some of you buy lottery tickets, don't you? Think that's the way that God's going to get you out of the jam. Maybe this will be the way that God chooses to bless me. You don't ever know. Make a deal with anybody you have to just to get out of the jam you're in. Do you remember Star Wars, the first one, okay? Now, I'm a purist. I'm a classic. Do you remember the very first Star Wars? Luke, Han Solo, Princess Leia are in the trash bin Right? And the trash bin starts closing in on them. And they're trying to get RTDT to close off the trash bin and it's closing in, closing in, closing in, closing in. That's where you and I are, isn't it? Closing in, closing in, closing in, closing in. Now understand the mess Ahaz was in. There were two kings who were threatening to attack him. There was the king of of Israel and there was the king of Aram and Rezin. And they had already sent messages to him. Hey, we're going to fight Assyria. And you're going to fight with us. If you don't, we're going to attack you, take you off the throne, and put one of our friends, and they named the friend, we're going to put him in your place. Then we're going to go attack Syria. Assyria was moving. There was going to be a war with Assyria. And Ahaz is caught right in the middle. Who does he trust? Who does he make a deal with? So the story tells us that he reached out to Assyria. And when he met the king of Assyria and made the deal with Assyria, he saw the altar that the king of Assyria had and he went back to Jerusalem and built the same kind of altar. See? Empty as a gourd. So now, Isaiah stands in front of him. The last word we have from Isaiah is he has promised you're going to be standing in front of of people who do not listen, who can't hear, who do not understand, and that's where you're going to be, and that's where he is. Why are you so afraid of these two smoldering embers, Isaiah says. Ask the Lord for a sign. Now, isn't it interesting that God understands how Ahaz works? What is it that you need to see? What is it that you need to encounter so that you will trust that I am the God who can walk you through this mess? Now, Ahaz, because he's a guy who doesn't know who to believe and doesn't know who to trust, says, I don't, I'm not going to test God. I'm not going to ask for a sign. And Isaiah says, here's your sign. A young woman is going to be pregnant. And she's going to deliver a boy. And that boy's name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And by the time he grows up, the two kings you worry about will be gone. You're Isaiah steps up and says, here's your sign. You're thinking tanks. God's going to send me tanks. I've got an army on this side of me. I've got an army on this side. What I need are tanks. I need tanks. I need air power. I need something, somebody that can help me defeat this army. And God says, a baby. Not exactly what I was looking for. Maybe you don't understand the mess I'm in, God. Maybe you don't understand what the threat is, and you're sending me a baby. I was really hoping tanks it's disappointing when you don't get what you want for Christmas isn't it when you tell your parents in plain English this is what I want this is what everybody I want this for Christmas and there's a box under the tree about that same size as what you told your parents you wanted and you can't wait till Christmas morning and you rip open the package and it's clothes. <laughs> I don't want clothes. I need something else. I wanted something else. I'm between a rock and a hard place, and they're getting closer together, Lord, and I'm in the middle of this And right here, right now, I'm calling out to you, and you say, good news, I'm sending a baby. We wanted something more. And that's because we don't understand this Emmanuel, this God with us. Whenever we talk about glory, God is glorious, the glory of God. We use terms like that. We always, most of the time, translate it in our head as light, the brilliance of God. You see the glory of God. You'd have to duck your head, your eyes couldn't take. Another way to interpret that word glory, to translate it, is weight, density. That there is a weight to this child, there is a glory to this child that pushes everything back. Meshach, Sadrach, and Abednego are in the fiery furnace. The king said, if you do not worship me and the idol I have set up, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. They didn't. They worshiped God God alone. And guess what? The world threw them in the furnace. But while they were in the furnace, the king said, I see a fourth one there who looks like the son of God. God was with Emmanuel, God with them. And the presence was so thick, so dense, that the flame nor the smell of smoke got on those three young men. Daniel in the lion's den. The presence of God, Emmanuel, is with Daniel in the lion's den. The presence is so thick, so real, so deep, the lions can't say anything. The lions can't do anything. Now, see, we always think that God will keep us out of hard times, that God will keep us away from tough moments. That's never the promise. What he promises is you won't be by yourself. You can get through the fiery furnace if the Son of God walks with you. You can get through the lion's den if the Son of God is with you, if you have the promise of Emmanuel. Emmanuel. You read in Acts 16, where Paul and Silas are put in prison. Now, they're just not put in prison because the prison prison guard, the, the, the warden of the prison was told, keep these two guys especially safe. So we're told he put them in prison, in the prison, inside the prison. He put them in maximum security, and he chained them to the wall. Okay? Inside the prison, chained to the wall of the prison, inside the prison. There's no way you're getting out of here. Until Emmanuel. God with us. Paul and Silas start worshiping. God joins his children, and the, and the, and the prison blows up with the density of God's presence. The promise of presence. So, you're between a rock and a hard place. 22 has been tough. 23 may be tougher. You feel like it's squeezing in on You cry out to God, help me. And God says, I'm sending you a baby. And in that trash bin where you are, where I am, the baby comes and stops the pressure. the pressure now how does that happen right Jesus show up in your life and you'll feel all better what does that mean here's the first thing it means you don't have to be afraid to die now I, I, I know we say that flippantly But the worst thing that the world tells you is we'll kill you if you don't do what we tell you that we'll do, that that we tell you you should do. We'll kill you. The Christian says, if that gets me closer to Christ, I'm okay with that. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of you canceling me. I'm not afraid if you take my name out of all the social media platforms. It's not important to me that you know my name. Jesus does. It's the power of the presence. I don't need to be afraid of that. You're loved. You are delighted in Do you get that? Do you you understand that? That when God first thought of you, before you ever were, he loved you. In that moment, he decided that nothing would take you away from him. In that moment, he decided it. Didn't matter where you went, he would be there with you. If I make my bed in the highest of heavens, David writes, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, if I roll out my sleeping bag in hell, you're there. And in one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible, Paul writes, What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? What can separate us from Emmanuel? So Ahaz, here's your sign. The father says, I'm here. Born in the manger. Born to the world. born to you, and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Maybe you are between that rock and hard place, and that's okay. Sometimes life gets you there. And you want someone just to pray with you. We'd love to have that privilege. You'll walk out of here and turn left. You'll see the Welcome Center. We'd love to have that moment to be able to pray with you. Perhaps you'd like to know more about the relationship with this one who was born, the Son of God, Emmanuel, who has come. Perhaps you don't know what questions to ask next. That's okay. You find one of us in the Welcome Center. We'd love to pick up that conversation. Perhaps it's to come be part of Brentwood Baptist Church. You come. We'd love to get that conversation started. However, the Lord has come to you now. He's waiting on you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. That so we pray now the choices we make are exactly what